Hi, I'm Nate Weiner from Pocket, and this is the most fun I've ever had. Hello, and welcome to Converge, a podcast that Apple calls new and noteworthy, even though it's now four weeks old. I'm Casey Newton, Silicon Valley editor of The Verge, and I am excited to share episode number four with you today. I hope you're doing well. It's a big week in in tech and culture. I'm down in Los Angeles right now for the Electronic Entertainment Expo, aka E3. And if you like video games, you're going to want to physically attach yourself to TheVerge.com this week and learn about everything that's being announced down there. And if you hate video games, but you love interview game shows, then you can just listen to the rest of this episode. You don't even have to do anything else. You know, I want to start out today by sharing some listener mail. And reader Nick M. sent in a lovely email, actually, praising many aspects of what we're doing here on Converge, including the laugh track, for what it's worth. But then he said this, quote, My only critique is that you're too nice to your guests. Remember, you're better than them. They're lucky you even let them on your show. Nick, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the support. And I will say, I've now heard from multiple people that Converge is suffering from what some are calling score inflation. And I want you to know that we take this matter extremely seriously. I would just ask that you keep in mind a couple points, okay? Number one, the entrepreneurs and investors I'm talking to are some of the most competitive people in the world. Okay, there have been times when I would give them a score of, let's say, a three or four in a round, and they've looked at me like they were going to punch me right in the mouth. You know, before the show even launched, I caught two guests tweeting their scores at each other, like seeing who was the best. And so I worry that if I bring those scores down too much, I could be putting myself or my producer at risk. Okay, so please keep that in mind. Number two, keep in mind that people are not begging me to do this show, okay? I mean, some people are, but the kind of people I want to get into the chair across from me, you know, I first have to explain what's going to happen during the show, which takes a long time. And frankly, I worry that telling them that they're lucky to be on this show and that I will be mean to them could affect the quality of guests. So look, I'm taking your words into account. And while we recorded today's episode a few weeks ago, going forward, I will strive to be meaner and less forgiving of human error. Thank you, Nick M, for the email. Hey, speaking of today's show, we have Nate Weiner, the founder and CEO of Pocket. And if you've ever seen a link or video on Twitter or the web and you didn't have time to to check it out right then and you wanted to save it to watch later, Pocket has been your friend. I know it has been my friend. I use it all the time. It makes a popular app that saves stuff so that you can check it out when you have the time. And as of last year, it's part of Mozilla, the weirdo nonprofit that makes the Firefox web browser. I've known Nate since 2013 when I profiled him for one of my first big features at The Verge. He cares a lot about the web, about good journalism, and it's been interesting to watch him push that vision forward since he arrived at Mozilla. And with that, it's time to play Converge. Hello and welcome to Converge. Converge is a game show that is easy to win, but not impossible to lose. Each week, we bring on some of Silicon Valley's most fascinating entrepreneurs, and they compete to see how high they can go on the all-time Converge leaderboard. My guest today is Nate Weiner, founder and CEO of Pocket, a kind of DVR for the web that lets you save articles and videos so you can read and watch them later. Nate, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Is this your first time playing Converge? It is also first time on a podcast. My goodness, we are breaking records left and right over here. Well, hopefully you will fare well in the Converge challenge, but I'm optimistic. All right, I'm feeling good. 
Uh, let me run you through it. Converge consists of three rounds, the big idea, the interview round, and the wild card round. Uh, before we get started, do you have any allergies or dietary restrictions? I do not. All right, then we're going to jump right into it, and it's time for the big idea. The first game we play on every episode of Converge is The Big Idea. I asked you ahead of time to bring me your biggest and best idea of a non-self-promotional nature, and we pick it apart to see what's inside. Points are awarded on the basis of originality, presentation, profit potential, and whether I personally agree with it. Nate, what is your big idea? Well, if I wanted to win, I would have probably just said that people should be allowed to edit tweets. <laughs> yes, that I would definitely like that be, would be playing cheating. to the crowd. Yeah, it would be cheating. But to be honest, there's a product that I've thought about a lot about. There's a number of family members who are hard of hearing in my family. Okay. And one thing we all take for granted when we have, like, good hearing is that you go out to dinner or you just, like, hang out at a place outside that you can hear each other and you can have a conversation. But if you can't hear very well or your hearing aids, like, take all of that sound and amplify it, you basically kind of get shut out from the conversation. Totally. Um, and that makes, like, things like just going out for dinner with your family, like, really tough. But it feels like there is a lot of technology that exists in a bunch of different products that if lack better phrase, converged. Wow. That you could... I'm, I'm awarding you five bonus points Thank you. Thank already. You. Yes. yes. Go on. If you were all sitting here in a room, right, if you had, for example, like a omnidirectional mic that right. could actually like pick out the different voices and feed that into your hearing aid or even just like headphones, actually be able to separate out that audio, like instantly that person's life would be dramatically improved, right? And... It feels like, I don't know if you just saw, uh, even actually two weeks ago, Google, they like did this thing with machine learning to what they call, it's called the cocktail party problem. It's like, how do you separate out voices from noise? Right. And they actually like found a way to do that based on like a video. You could like click on somebody's face and it would like take their voice. Huh. Um, so I feel like a lot of these different pieces are coming together that it could allow that. But what's kind of interesting if you even take that one step further, once you have the framework for any conversation where you're able to like, oh, this is that person talking, this is that person, and it's feeding in, you take things like Siri, for example. It takes audio of a voice and a language and converts that to some, like, it understands that. If you could then convert that into any other language, you could, for example, like, if you were speaking Japanese to me right now, like, that could translate back into English for me and actually have, like, a real-time conversation in that way. Right. So just in general, it feels like a lot of these different pieces that exist out there are all of a sudden kind of combining to, like, it feels like that thing should exist right now, but it doesn't quite yet. Right. So a, a service that could help people who are hard of hearing here also becomes the basis for a universal translator. Yeah. I mean, like, I think you like once you have that framework, you can build a lot of different things into that system. Yeah. Why, where do we need to start with that? Does it need to be the hardware of the microphone? Is it the AI technology that powers the, the translations? It's the, uh, like a microphone that you could like throw on the table, I feel like is an obvious starting point to me. But yeah. like, you know, I don't know. Like, if you have headphones, for example, that somehow we're able to kind of pick that out. I don't, I don't necessarily know audio technology, so I can't quite get there. But I'll tell you this. I was at Microsoft two years ago, and they were telling me what they were doing with artificial intelligence. And what they said at the time was they were putting microphones into conference rooms, uh, so everyone there knew they were being recorded. And then they were using the audio from those meetings to try to do exactly what you're talking about. Try to isolate the voices. Try to create real-time transcription. 
happens. As a journalist, this was tremendously exciting to me because you ask any journalist what the worst problem in journalism is, aside from the fact that we don't have a good business model, uh, it's that when we interview people and then we have to transcribe those interviews, it's an incredibly painstaking process. There are relatively cheap services now where you can sort of have your work transcribed, but I think all of us who use Google Translate imagine the day where we just dump in a sound file and we get back a beautiful transcription. And at the time, I really pressed Microsoft and I said, like, how close are we to this? And they said, oh, Casey, like, we're we're standing on the cusp. Like, it's right. about to arrive. Yeah. And now here we are almost two years later, and it hasn't. Right. So, shame on Microsoft is the first thing I want to say. Right. But but second of all, it's like, to your larger point, my gosh, I hope they do build this. Um, you know, my dad is 63, spent a lot of time working, like, on docks around large trucks. And so, he has that exact problem of being at dinner and not being able to quite make out what anyone is saying. I went to a lot of rock concerts in my youth and still continue to go to them, yeah, uh, not great. infrequently. And I'm also six foot five. And so if I'm at a bar with a bunch of people who are five foot seven, I cannot hear what they're saying unless I'm like sitting on a bar stool. Right. So it seems like the use cases for this go way beyond uh, like like the elderly or, or people who were born deaf, for example. Right. Yeah, like a grumpy old man myself, <laughs> yes. myself going to a concert and can't hear anybody. You know? <laughs> right. Do you think this is something that like a giant like Microsoft is more likely to pull off, or is this something that a startup would be nimbler at? I think for the particular case around that we're talking about, probably a startup, just because the market is it's just not, probably not big enough for some of these players. Yeah. But the more foundational technology, I feel like, could exist, you know, for a bigger player. The translation and stuff is basically like a it's like Babblefish from you know Hitchhiker's Guide, that like thing you put in your ear and you just it automatically translates. It feels right. like that should. We're like almost there, right. but not quite. So Microsoft would say that it's more likely to be a giant because only they have enough data to be able to create effective machine learning. So I don't know which one of those is true. I've always thought that Google was going to be the first to reach a universal translator just because it seemed right. like they were the the furthest along yeah. and sort of had like the best chops when it came to that kind of consumer tech. But I don't know. We're not there yet. Yeah. And definitely like putting stuff into Google Translate, it's like good, but there are times where it's just like, yeah, it's it still doesn't it's like that last ten percent feels like it's gonna take a long time. Right. Like if you just need directions in Sweden, it'll probably be amazing. <laughs> right. But if you need to explain why you have a terrible relationship with your father, <laughs> like you need and you should, by the way. I'm just kidding. This um <laughs> you're gonna need something else. All right. That was the big idea, now it's time to score you. First of all, originality. Well, what I liked about your idea was that you sort of drew things together that I hadn't considered, which is sort of like a medical issue and then an issue of translation that I think transcends a lot of like office and work boundaries. So I'm going to go ahead and give you an eight on that one. What, what is this out of? This is out of uh, a thousand. Okay. Uh, no, it's out right. of ten. It's okay. out of ten. Presentation. I also thought you had a really nice presentation. You didn't go too hard with the cell. I think you could have gone a little harder with the cell, though. You didn't like my PowerPoint. <laughs> well, yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't translate very well to the podcast audience at home. I can but see it was that. Beautiful. In hindsight, I can totally see why. Yeah, that you know. <laughs> so we'll give you a seven there. Profit potential. I feel like you identified like 16 markets at once. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a nine on that. And then do I personally agree with it? I'm giving you a 10. Now, here's where it gets interesting. You may recall that earlier in the round, I awarded you five bonus points. Mm. So I'm throwing those in as well because you mentioned the word converge during your pitch. And so now we're going to give the final score for the first round, which is 
39 points, which uh, I believe is the highest first-round score we have ever seen Amazing. on Converge. All right. So congratulations, Nate. Thank that you. puts you in very good position as we head into the interview round. Now we come to the interview round where reputations are won and fortunes can be lost. If you bet money on this, which you probably won't. But if you want to, DM me. Nate, you are the CEO of Pocket. And for those who still haven't checked it out, what is Pocket? Pocket, you kind of described earlier, but part of the business is around this tool to enable people to capture the things that they find interesting on the web and actually then consume them. So you can save things from any place that you discover a piece of content, whether it's an article or a video, and then view it on your computer, your tablet, your phone, whatever. And then on top of that, because we have millions of people essentially hand curating the web, we are building out just a really high quality recommendation kind of discovery platform um, to make those recommendations across the, so the web. Right. And that platform that you've built is interesting because people t- tend to only save to pocket when they really, really want to read something. They're not typically sharing it, right? It's really kind of more of a, a personal consumption thing. And so you get this view into what stuff pe- do people actually read? What do they actually watch? And so you're able to kind of have this like x-ray vision into the web that winds up being different than a lot of other players out there. Right, yeah. And we, to be clear, we don't focus on like news. We're not competing with the stuff that's on the front page of CNN or this kind of in Apple News or Flipboard. It's, it's that content that it is more important to you to actually capture. It's the, you know, it might be the stories about the news. It might be, you know, the, that Southwest Airlines crash that just happened. It might be that in-depth story about, like, what happened there? Like, why did that happen, right? It's the tabs you have open about, like, things you want to learn in your career. And it's those things that, you know, we have a really good pulse on, like, any topic that people really want to understand or dive into or spend time with, that's the type of content we see in Pocket. Right. And when you want to brag to people about how well Pocket is doing, what do you tell them? Like, what are the milestones? What are the figures? What's the term sheet that you would have given a prospective acquirer before you sold the company? I, this is where I'm, I'm very bad at startups is because <laughs> I feel like we're never quite done. So I never feel like we've succeeded in that regard. But are, you, are you trying to say that it's only day one? It's yes, early yes, days exactly. at Pocket? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just 1% yeah, of the journey is finished. Where did you come up with that? I've that read is, it other places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pocket uh, reaches about 50 million people a month now. Five um, zero. Five That's zero. a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, make about like 4 billion recommendations a month. That's a lot of recommendations, and that's why every single Pocket user feels completely overwhelmed yes, and like they will exactly. never finish reading everything they put in their Pocket. Well, that's actually part of what's interesting about it is like we and we've experimented more. Like Pocket had a lot more recommendations in it last year, but we're actually starting to split that up. Where Pocket is really going to be focused around that kind of save and view experience, mm-hmm. um, and our recommendations that product actually don't need to be a Pocket user. A big place where that exists now is on the new tab inside Firefox, for example. You don't have to know anything about Pocket, but you can actually benefit still from those recommendations we put in there based on kind of all the data and insight that we get from kind of the save and view experience. Right, and, and we'll sort of get to what, what you're doing with Mozilla and sort of how all of that transpired. Before we do that, you, you use the word content, and I wanted to ask you about that word because we've all kind of settled on it, I think, for lack of a better one, but I wonder if it is has been an emotional journey for you to get comfortable with saying the word content to refer to articles and videos. It's, it's terrible. We actually, <laughs> internally, we use the word stories a lot Yeah, because we feel like it, it resonates more with like what we try to do. But funny enough, we just did some market research like in the last month. And when we talked about stories, every single person was like, thought about like Instagram and Facebook stories. Like they've completely stolen they stole the word. 
word story. Like they assumed we were talking about a social feature. So I we're back to content, which is terrible. That's amazing to think that uh, other tech companies have totally co-opted the word stories now. So if I were to say to a friend, like, let me tell you a story, and they would think, oh, it's like something that's going to disappear would, in 24 hours. Right, they would start swiping across your face. <laughs> they would swipe on my face. And then it would be more like Tinder. Right. All right. I'm sort of in the same place with you as content where um, it is it is hard to use that word to refer to something that you put a lot of time into because it sounds like it could just be like the absolute cheapest thing. But I'm trying to embrace it and like bring a new dignity to it. And so now when I'm finished with a story, I will, I'll message my editor and I'll say, Michael, I made you a content. Uh, and for some reason that feels better. So it might be something you guys want to play with. All right. uh, so you mentioned Mozilla, uh, maker of the Firefox web browser, and last year you sold a company to them. We did. So t- tell me, there are a lot of entrepreneurs and there are a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast and their dream is that someday that they'll sell their company so they don't have to worry about running a startup anymore. So what went into that decision for you? No, I mean, not to make light of it, right? This is it's like a huge decision and probably a scary decision, yeah. but also like kind of a fun decision. Like, look, we made this giant thing and somebody wants it now. Right. Definitely is not uh, what you said of not running a startup anymore. I feel like, if anything, my job is more stressful than <laughs> a lot more uh, to do, but... No, it's and it's funny. It's I feel like the standard Silicon Valley story is that oh, you sell your company and then uh, that company disappears or the product gets worse or it just sucks. But it actually has been an amazing. I could not be happier about where Pocket is and where it's going right now. Good things actually happened to Pocket after you sold it, yeah, as opposed to like a Flickr situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we, I mean. The the way that we kind of always approached, and we probably talked about this years ago when yeah. we, we we first like uh, met. met. We had this litmus test around acquisitions of you know we care about this mission, we want to work on this problem for a long time. If we found a partner that could let us do that bigger or better or faster than we could do on ourselves, like it was a no brainer to have that conversation. And Mozilla, like their mission, the the people we worked with, it just it was just an obvious fit for where we wanted to go. And I think. I think we struggled for a long time over the last few years as a VC-backed company that's in media to get the resources that we felt like really enabled us to go as big as we wanted. And and Mozilla has been really supportive. We were 24 people last year. We're 34 now. We'll be 55 by the end of the last year or this year. So we're growing a ton. We actually have a marketing budget or like our recommendations are on a lot more properties. There's just a lot uh, that we're able to do now. So you're able to get to the, the places that you couldn't while, while you were still independent. It is crazy to think about. You know, I remember, so we did meet, I think it was about five years ago, and, you know, something that you said to me at the time was that the the web was totally overwhelming. There needed to be a way to find signal in the noise um, and essentially crowdsourcing it by having millions of people pick out the best articles and then just sort of surfacing the very best was a cool way to do that. And it's always been surprising to me that so few people tried to do something similar to to what you were doing. But Mozilla clearly saw something that they liked in that. Yeah, and that was another part of what was interesting to us about the acquisition is because they, they did get that. Like, the we always looked at it as Pocket and the kind of save for later service. That was the engine that powers this, like, bigger, broader thing that we could accomplish. And they saw that. And they set us up to as an independent subsidiary because of that versus, like, just integrating us, oh, you're this feature in this, like, other product team now, you know, right. um, they saw that there was a lot more to do here. 
Right. And so now you're you're really, it seems like two things. One, you're the standalone app. You download it for Android, for iOS, as you see articles on Twitter, Facebook, you know, maybe harder on Facebook, but the web with a browser extension or with a couple of taps, you send them into pocket. And then that's just your personal kind of reading list or watching list. But then also within the browser now, every time I open up a new tab in Firefox, you'll say to me, hey, Firefox user, Here's like 10 really great things. Yeah. And you've even started to personalize some of that now, right? Yeah, we're, we're testing this really cool personalization system within Firefox where it uses your browser history to target, or like personalize, but none of that data actually comes back to Pocket or Mozilla. It all happens on the, the client inside the browser itself. Because like there is this notion today, I feel like that, uh, and I, I feel like you saw it in the Zuckerberg hearings, it was like, oh, users... They, they will give us their data in, in return for a better experience. And there's like, that's the premise, right? But right. we feel like, yes, you could do that, but we don't feel like that is the required premise, that there are ways to build these things where you don't have to trade your like life profile in order to actually get a good experience. Right. And you can just sort of build the technology and put it on the user's computer and then just do all the processing locally and then... You know, you don't ever have to find out that I'm a huge professional wrestling fan and I was secretly watching wrestling today at work and then my boss caught me. This is a real story, by the way. But you would never know that because of the way that you're handling your your data. Right. And nobody wants to know that. No, that's what I found. You know, it's sort of like starting a podcast. Nobody wants to hear about your podcast and nobody wants to hear that you like professional wrestling. So that's why I talk about startup related topics. Much bigger market. But let's make it about you, Nate. It doesn't have, doesn't have to all be about me over here. So, you know, at The Verge, I have to say, we have noticed a huge a surge in traffic this year from Pocket. Like, you guys are sending more and more people our way, uh, which I certainly appreciate. But, like, more broadly, what what is the relationship that you're trying to build with publishers? Yeah, and we're going to ca- take a couple of different steps into this. Right now, we're sending a bunch of traffic. But what we really want to do is send, for lack of a better phrase, like content, value, right? And what we really mean there is, like, right now... The way the recommendation systems are built, they're purely about clicks. It is the way that performance is driven. It's just how many eyeballs can you send? And it doesn't matter if that resulted in like a good interaction for that user. Did they actually come away with something useful from that? Did the publisher benefit? Did the platform benefit? And what we want to really build here with this like discovery platform is something that where users and publishers and the platform itself, their value is all aligned. And you're seeing like... For example, Facebook publishers rely a lot on Facebook, but it is not those interests are not well aligned. Right. Um, and what's good for Facebook might not be good for publishers. And we want to be able to create something that's good for all the parties that are involved. And it's going to take some time. And the reality is, like, it's totally possible. We are completely wrong, and there is no way to do it. But, like, I feel like for the sake of publishing and good content and journalism, that there needs to be a better way to do this. Yeah. Well, and it certainly seems like some people should try the model that, that you're trying and sort of see what lessons that you can draw and write about it and post it on Medium. And <laughs> I'll clap for it if it's good. So, like, what's next on your roadmap? Like, when you think of, like, I don't know, Pocket a year from now, like, what, what do you hope it can do or, or is doing? that it might not be doing right now. So kind of break it apart to two pieces. So the kind of pocket core experience, the the save and view platform we talked about, there is just a lot that we are doing to invest into that product this year. As I mentioned, we hired a ton. For example, we just launched highlighting, which was like our number one requested feature, which we put off for a very long time. So so people can, if they see something they like in a story, they can highlight it and then they have a collection of every cool thing that they've ever read. So it's just that basic feature. There's a lot more we want to build onto that. But we really want to just make it the best 
possible way to consume content. So we're working on how do we help people better organize? How do we help people better prioritize those things? And then also really like exploring different ways to consume. Like one of the features that we hear from users the most and nobody knows about is you can actually do um, what we call listen. There's a text-to-speech feature. It will read the article to you. And it's like the robot voice right now. It's not as good as it could be. But people who use it, like, and I kid you not, they reach out and they're like, this changed my life. Like, I save these things and I never can read them because I don't have time to, like, sit and look at my phone. But now I actually can, like, listen to it when I'm uh, working out or I'm driving somewhere. Like, it opens up this whole other time that you can consume things. So it's exploring more about, like, how do we open the door beyond just reading? How do we make sure that you can actually, like, ingest and consume these things? This episode is brought to you by Arby's new Torta de Chapulines. Farm-fresh grasshoppers toasted with garlic, lime, and salt, compressed into a patty, and served on an artisan roll. With meat supplies dwindling around the world, there's never been a better time to embrace nutritious insect protein. Arby's, it's what's bugging you. All right, that was another fake ad, guys. We still don't have a sponsor. If you have, uh, let's call it $2 million now in liquid currency, and you want me to say words out loud on Converge, DM me. Andrew, let's play the music. All right, well, you know what that means. That brings us to the lightning round. In the lightning round, your job is to answer as many of these questions as you can in 60 seconds. You're allowed to pass, but should you do so, you will forfeit the question. And I know what you're thinking. Has anyone really ever passed on a question? And the answer is yes. It has happened. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock. Number one, when it comes to content, text or video? Text. Hint water or LaCroix? LaCroix. Preferred flavor? Lime. Have you ever been caught up on your pocket, Hugh? No. What's something that should definitely be on the blockchain? The Verge? I have no idea why I said that. (laughs) What publication do you save articles from and never read? Medium. What's your... What's your go-to messaging app? iMessage. What can we do to get more women involved in founding companies? Uh, fund them. Last show you finished on Netflix? Altered Carbon, which was terrible. So bad. Last good book you read? Sapiens. Will I ever find true love? Yes. What's your go-to Spotify playlist? I don't use Spotify. What What do you use instead? I buy music on iTunes. It's weird. That is insane. (laughs) And that is the end of the lightning round with that amazing cell phone that you're still purchasing MP3s. My goodness. I knew that we were going to go to dark places on this podcast when I started it, but I never imagined. Do you think Apple has like a group like the AOL team where there's just like five of us doing this that they still need to support it for? You are the dial-up internet of Apple's (laughs) P&L, and they are very grateful for you, I'm sure. Nate, you, you successfully answered 12 questions during the lightning round, and so we will add 12 to your total. Very good. Now we come to the wild card round. In the wild card, we reach into the Convergitron 5000 to play a revealing game that no one has ever played before. Our game of the day, and it is Pocket or Stop It. Nate, have you ever played Pocket or Stop It? I have not, but I'm excited to. Well, it's a bit strange considering that it's based on your company. I'd think you would look into these things more. But in Pocket or Stop It, I will present you with a story. It may be taken from my actual pocket queue, or it may be fake news. I'll read you the headline and one or two sentences. If it's real, yell Pocket. If it's fake... Yell, stop it. Then you will do the same to me, and we'll go back and forth until we've run out of items. Do you have any questions? No, sounds good. Very good. Let's now go to the very first story. I will begin. Mark Zuckerberg prepares for congressional testimony by poring over lawmakers' personal data. Quote, 
Once I've learned their exact personality traits from these data profiles, all I'll need to do is tailor my responses in a way that preys on their hidden vulnerabilities. Trick question. It's a real article from The Onion, wow. but it's fake news. That's amazing that you actually knew the source of that story, which I feel like is worth a bonus point. It is, however, in my pocket queue. So I feel like you didn't yell either pocket or stop it, so I don't I, know how to score this question. That's what I'm saying. It was pocket. It was a real story. Yes. But I'm saying it's fake. That's right. So it managed to be both categories at once. I understand. Here's what I, I'm going to award you the point because it is it, you you correctly identified it as a an authentic piece of content, even though the story itself was a satire. So I'm awarding you the point and a bonus point for calling out the publication. <laughs> so two points on the first question, and now you read a story to me. Woman fined $500 for saving free Delta Airlines snack. A Colorado woman faces a $500 fine from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection after carrying an apple off an airplane. I'm going to say that that's pocket. That is that right. really happened? That did happen. It almost didn't sound real. I'm glad that it is real because it honestly didn't seem that well written of a story. I think that was CNN. <laughs> okay, that, well, where it came from. now I feel bad for people at CNN. But a $500 fine for carrying an apple off a plane, that is ridiculous. I actually didn't read the rest of the article. Uh, nor would I. Who wants to know any more about that dystopia we're living in? All right. Number two, story to you. Jake Paul is a terrifying genius and we should all be scared. The beginning was, it's my brother's birthday, I'm gonna prank him. The middle was me doing it. The end was us all going to buy Lamborghinis. Pocket? That's true. It was a story in BuzzFeed.com about Jake Paul's uh, program for teaching young people how to be influencers. There yeah. you go. Mm-hmm. Four weird things Steve Jobs would have put on pizza. No matter your opinion on the legacy of Steve Jobs, we can likely all agree on this. Dude had some unconventional health habits. Stop it. That is correct. That okay, is fake good. news. It was an extremely plausible piece of content, and I'm confident that someone will write it at the end of this episode and then tweet it at me. We have a joke internally at Pocket that if you put Steve Jobs in the title of an article, it will have the best click rate possible. So <laughs> and that's something I, that you've observed from your own data. Yeah, so I, I, I figure we would try that one out. Yeah. I, you know, we don't put Steve Jobs uh, in the headlines yeah. very I much mean, anymore. Maybe right. we should. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Pinterest acquisition of Instapaper is already paying off. Quote, pinners are going crazy for Instapaper's elegant article-saving features, boosting daily visits to Pinterest by as much as 20%, one stop source it. said. Just stop it. You want me to stop talking about your former chief rifle, Instapaper? I don't know what you're talking about. All right, well, you are correct. That is not a real story. All right, well, then back to me here. All uh, right. Kanye West, Bitcoin's savior? What if Kanye West was the blockchain, what the blockchain-based currency needed most? Stop it. <laughs> Nailed it. What I liked about that story was you had an idea about Kanye West and Bitcoin, but wasn't exactly sure what would bring the two of them together. <laughs> so, you know, as an editor, I've seen some pitches before. I would, if 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 you were writing the story about it, I would say that the story needs like a third paragraph. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Just some feedback for you. Okay. Free Good advice. to know. Thank you. All right. One for you. Trashed inside the deadly world of private garbage collection. To travel deep into the world of New York's midnight trash collection is to enter a realm where people often toil in grave danger for low pay. Those perils are easy to miss in the roar of a diesel engine, the rush of a giant truck, and a waft of scent from a bag we're all happy to see somebody else remove. I want to say pocket, but I feel like that description was too over the top. I'm going to go with stop it. You know what? I thought it was too over the top, too, but that's a real story. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
That was uh, ProPublica, who does amazing work. But wow. yeah, when they, you know, I think when you're writing about garbage collection, yeah. you feel like you've got to amp it up with a little bit of uh, right. sexy language. And yeah. so that's where you land. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pelicans are our future. Over the course of sorting millions of photos of pelicans from around the world, researcher Colin Rout Wright found a surprising discovery. And just to clarify, his name is Colin Rout Wright. Wright. Sorry, Colin Wright. Colin Wright. I stuttered. I'm going to say pocket. It's fake. Oh, man. <laughs> I think, like, this is what's so great about this is, like, I'm so desensitized to content land now that I just hear a headline that's like, Pelicans are the future, and it doesn't even occur to me that that would be fake, because that is how all headlines are now written. All right, exactly. You know, it's all like, right. just any random noun is now the future. All right, that was a very good get. One from me. San Francisco is waiting hours in line for dog brunch. At Zazie in Coal Valley, fans are waiting up to three hours in line to attend a special brunch for dogs. Meat waffles, bacon, and gourmet kibbles are available on one Sunday a month starting at $20 per pooch. Stop it. Yes, that is a, that is a stop it. That, that is that, fake. That was my old neighborhood, and they did have a dog night. That's where you tripped me up. That's where I was trying to trip okay. you up because I actually knew both of those things. Mm. That was that was like a spear fishing attack from, <laughs> when it comes to, to fake news. You almost had me. Darn it. I was close. All right. Well, I tried my best. Final question. Funny enough, related topic. Okay. There are 6,000 dogs working at Amazon and they get access to these cool perks. You might have had a rough work week. But Amazon's four-legged employees sure haven't. This is torture because it seems so plausible that it's true or fake. And I don't, oh my God. What's the headline again? There are 6,000 dogs working at Amazon and they get access to these cool perks. Well, so the reason I'm suspicious is that there really are very few cool perks awarded at Amazon. <laughs> like at Amazon, a cool perk is that you can like go stand outside of the warehouse. And pay for your own coffee. And pay for your own coffee. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say pocket. Yes. Yes. It is oh. real. <laughs> I'm going to be on. I wish that was fake. I really I, do. No, I, oh, I'd okay. rather have pelicans be our future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have one more for you. Meet Grunchen, the newest American girl doll. Following in the tradition of previous American girls like Kaya and Josefina. <laughs> Grunchen is characterized by her self-sufficiency as having lost her family in a grease fire she provides for herself by making sausages out of dead birds she finds and selling them to strangers. You know, it's I see the tears in your eyes. Yeah. I know how heartfelt this it's one so, is, but so sad. I have to say, stop it. Well, uh, believe it or not, that was a story in Clickhole, so that was a pocket. <laughs> Oh. Yes! You thought I would only try you to trick you with satire it. once. I did. Wow. I did. All right, and that brings us to the end of Pocket or Stop It. Nate, it looks like I scored four points and you scored four points during that round. And so now it's time to go to the final scores. Nate, you scored 55 points during today's episode of Converge. Is that good? And I scored four. So yes, relatively speaking, you crushed me. And that's going to earn you a very high place on the all-time Converge leaderboard. I like it. So congratulations for that. Nate, do you have any final thoughts? Do you have a message of inspiration for Silicon Valley? Wow. Let me ask a more specific question. Should people follow their dreams? People should follow their dreams, but they should focus on building something that they care about instead of building it for money. 
All right, so no ad tech then. <laughs> if uh, your ad tech is going to support something of meaningful value, like our business here, oh, which is content, a good point. Yeah. Uh, then yeah, but you should do it in a way that uh, respects people's uh, privacy and interests. Boom, there we go. See, I knew we would get to something inspirational if we just kept talking long <laughs> enough. Nate, thank you for making content with me, and thank you for listening to Converge. And that's today's show. My thanks to guest Nate Weiner for both appearing on the show and for helping me save my content into a trusted location. Nate, while you may have defeated me today, I have saved my rage over losing into pocket while it will fester and someday explode, damaging your servers. Thanks to my engineer, Jeremy Dalmas and my editor, Andrew Marino. If you like today's show, go ahead and throw it a rating over on Apple Podcasts or just tell a friend about it. It helps people find us and lets us make more episodes. And if you did not like today's show, my name once again is Ezra Klein and this is The Weeds. Hey, how's the show going so far? I want to hear from you. Am I being too nice to the guests? How can I make them less comfortable? Email me, Casey at TheVerge.com. I'm at Casey Newton on Twitter. And of course, you can always tweet about the show using the official hashtag Benghazi. If you want even more of me in your life, I write a daily newsletter about social networks and democracy called The Interface. You can find the link at my Twitter bio. And until next time, the Convergitron 5000 is closed. Game over. Hi, Converge listeners. I'm Kara Swisher, the editor-at-large at Recode and also Casey Newton's landlord. I want to tell you about an interview I just published on my podcast, Recode Decode. At the Code Conference this year, I interviewed Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi about replacing Travis Kalanick, its founder, and his plan for the future of Uber and what happens to its self-driving division after that fatal accident in Arizona. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it wherever you listen to Converge. See you there.